0: Go to John chapter six. John chapter six, and I'm going to continue. Um, second service last week ended up being different than the first, so I encourage you if you don't go to the second service, uh, go back online and listen to that. Um, and so this is going to be part three of a message that I tried to that I started. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh wow! Praise the Lord. The, um, our Dr. Savell, he's ministering. He's ministering out of um, town right now, and um, and he, he's watching online. And he just wants to tell you that we want to sow five thousand dollars into into what you guys are doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's that's New Testament. <laughs> You know, in the book of Acts, you know, they got together and they said people had need and they said some needs were met right there. So, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, I'm going to try to finish, well, maybe um, a message I started three weeks ago and uh, talking about revival. And this aspect of revival that I started three weeks ago is understanding revival is all about transformation. Revival is not about the experience of a moment, but it's, a, it's about the experience that brings transformation. God is all about transformation. He, he wants transformation in our lives. He, he, never, he never came into our lives so, so we could stay the same. He, he, he encountered our lives so we could be more like Him, right? And so, so when we look, we look at the word and, and, and when right before COVID happened and took place, the Lord kept ministering. And through, through the things that we saw within our communities, when, through our communities with the things with race and, and uh, COVID and all the things that we're continuing to see and the turmoil within our nation. You know, the Lord kept telling me, Romans 8, 6, Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See, see, I I don't need to find all my information out and find everything that I need to know on based on the world system or what's happening in the news or what CNN might be telling me because I need to be spiritually minded because that's what's going to allow life and peace to flow in my life. I I don't need I, I don't need what the world has to offer i don 't need the world 's input to give me wisdom and give direction. I, I, need to, I need to come to the Word. The Word is my source of life. The Word is my source of strength. You know the word that we 've been hanging on to that our, that our apostle, our, our prophet, Dr. Savell, has declared to us that 2020 God has opened a new door and will bring about supernatural increase like never before. Can you say that with me? 2020 God is opening a new door. And will bring about supernatural increase like never before. See, that's what revival is all about. It's about taking you to a place you've never been before. It's about doing something in you that's never took place before. It's about carrying you to places that you've never been before. So John chapter 6, Jesus is talking and he makes a statement. He says, it is the spirit that quicken, quickeneth. In the flesh profits nothing. Say that with me. It's the spirit, it's the spirit that makes alive. That makes alive. The, flesh the flesh profits nothing. So where am I? So, so ask you, so where am I going to live? Am I going to live out of my flesh or am I going to live out of my new creation, born again spirit man? That's where I'm called to live. I, I, I'm not called to... The weapons of my warfare are not carnal. But the, my weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down a stronghold. So, so anything I do in this natural world is not about trying to figure it out up here. But it's understanding it's the spirit. And Romans chapter 8, 11, you don't need to turn there, but tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens our mortal body and then he says it dwells in us it dwells in us and so i don't have time to go back and deal with everything we've talked about but i want to lay a few few things as it pertains to this and understanding that god's desire is to sanctuary in our midst ezekiel 37 Uh, Verse uh, 25, 26 and 27 talks about the standpoint that he's been given us this covenant of peace. And he goes on and says that 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 this these people, it said that my desire is to sanctuary in the midst of them. He doesn't say that I'm going to place them in their sanctuary. He says, I'm going to sanctuary in the midst of them. Last week, we learned in Exodus 29, where it said that he pulled them out of Egypt so he could dwell among them. That, the whole point wasn't just to take them to a promised land. The whole point was to bring them out of Egypt so he could dwell among them. Amen. 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 Now, correlating some New Testament, Old Testament, so you can understand the heart of God is to dwell among us, to dwell in us. Now, go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Holy Spirit, help me this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. Certainly I'll be with thee. And this shall be a token unto you, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Now, another word for serve here, a better word, a better translation of this Hebrew word, would be worship. Meaning, when you are brought forth out of Egypt, you shall worship me on this mountain. So here we see again, God just didn't bring them out of, the, of Egypt to bring them to a promised land. God brought them out of Egypt so he could dwell among them. And here we say he brought them out of Egypt so they could worship him on that mountain. On what mountain? On the very mountain that Moses saw the burning bush. Now, I want you to bring them to a place of worship. I want you to bring them to a place that I will dwell with them. And I will dwell with them in this place of worship. There's a lot of direction I could go with this, but I've got to still, there's some things the Lord wants me to deal with with transformation. Now, let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. I believe it was 2017, 2018, and even uh, 2019. You know, this has been, this scripture was so much a part of us as a church body. And when we talked about, show me your glory. Amen. What is the glory of God? It's the goodness of God, the presence of God, the power of God. And Moses is speaking here in verse 14. And he says, the Lord said, my presence shall go with you. And I will give you rest. And Moses said to the Lord, if your presence does not go with me, do not carry us up from here. For by what? I'm reading the Amplified. For by what shall it be known that I and your people have found favor in your sight? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinguished? Now think about it. Is it not you being with me that makes me distinguished? And the King James uses the word separated, but it really is translated to the same thing as is, is it separated, means set apart for a distinguished purpose. Isn't it you're going with us that makes us distinguished? I and your people from all the people upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have asked for. You have found favor, loving and kindness and mercy in my sight. And I know you personally and by name. And Moses said, I beseech you. Show me your glory. So what are we seeing in here? What is God saying to Moses? What is Moses saying to God? He goes, goes, I have to have you, God. I have to have. I require you, God. I desire you, God. Because isn't it in your presence that makes me distinguished? I'm telling you, you don't need anything else but... His word and his spirit. You don't need a relationship. You don't need. You don't necessarily. Now there's things in the natural that God will do. But there's nothing in the natural that you need. That will bring you the value. That can come from knowing him. And so here he goes. "It's, it's, It's you that makes the difference. Moses realized it's you that makes the difference. Because I need you. So he says I beseech you. Show me your glory. Beseech, the uh, lack of a better term, the word beseech could be beg. It's saying, God, it's imperative. It's vital that I see your glory because when I see your glory, that lets me know you're with me. When I saw, when I see the fire by day and the cloud by night, I know you're with me. When I see those things, when I see your glory, I know you're with me. I know you're with me. Moses needed to understand that God was with him. Now, let's go over to um, Exodus 34. Just laying a foundation here. Because it deals with transformation. Verse 34, for the sake of time, let's look at verse 9. And he said, I, if now I have found favor and love and kindness in your sight, O Lord, let the Lord, I pray you, go in the midst of us. Now he's praying, Lord, I'm praying that you will go in the midst of us, although it is a stiff necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And the Lord said, behold, I lay down a fresh term of mutual agreement between Israel and me, a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels, wonders and miracles such have not been wrought or created in all the earth. Or in any nation. Wow. Hallelujah. Well, this is God speaking. And the Lord said, I'll make this covenant before all your people, I will do marvels. I, I believe if we saw a marvel, that would be the power to transform something. If we saw wonders, that would be that would that would that would be, be transformation, right? Thank you, Father. Such as I've not been wrought or created in all the earth or in any nation and all the people among whom you shall see the work of the Lord. For it is terrible thing, not evil, but terrible, meaning fearful and full of all that I will do with you. So it's what God, Moses requiring this presence and God comes back with that. I'm going to be with you. And when I'm with you, these things are going to take place. When I'm with you, these things are going to happen. Why? Because his presence is the difference maker. When we see his glory throughout, throughout the Old Testament, we see it working in creation. We see it when God ratified the Abraham covenant when Abraham slept. We see it descending upon Mount Sinai when he gave the law. We see it filling the temple in the wilderness. We see it filling Solomon's temple upon its dedication. We see it appearing uh, with Jesus on the Mount Transfiguration. We see it on the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And we see it in the book of Revelations. We see it in Revelation. We see it in Ezekiel when we talk about the Millennial Temple. And we see it in Revelation when we realize it illuminates the new Jerusalem. So when we see the glory of God and the presence of God on things throughout Scripture, transformation is the result and God is on the inside of you to transform you. His spirit is a quickening spirit. And your flesh profits nothing. Let's go to John 16. That was my introduction. So John 16 You have to understand the, the spirit of God in the Old Testament is the same spirit of God in the New Testament. <laughs> he, 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 does, he doesn't change. So you have to understand when he says to Moses that these marvels and these wonders for all nations. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, don't relegate that to something back then. You, you have to establish your faith that what God desired then, he desires now. We just don't have to come to him with with blood of bulls and goats. Amen. So John 16, verse 7, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Nevertheless, I tell you, it's expedient that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter, which we know the Comforter is the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him. Unto you, I will send them unto you. It's expedient that I go away. I, you see, Moses said, "Lord, I beseech you, show us your glory." But what I see Jesus doing here, He's beseeching us, receive my glory. Amen. That's, true. that's, true. That, that's uh, that I didn't see it that way until just when I said it just now. See, Moses was saying, Lord, I beseech you, show me your glory. And Jesus is saying, it's expedient that I go away, meaning I've got to go away. I've got to go away because if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. The spirit of God cannot come. So kind of hear Jesus saying, I beseech you, meaning I've got to get out of here because if I don't get out of here, the Holy Spirit can't come and you need the Holy Spirit. You need this spirit because jesus was saying i couldn 't do what I was called to do without it, and you can't do what you're called to do without it. see the spirit of god the 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 spirit of God is also the spirit of glory first peter four fourteen tells us that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of glory Romans chapter six verse four tells us it, it kind of tells us romans eight eleven about being raised from the dead but but it but in romans I believe it's Romans 6, 4. He tells us that Jesus was raised by the glory of God. But Romans eight eleven 11 says the, the, you know, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So you can't separate the spirit of God from the glory of God. Right, so when Jesus is saying, it's expedient, I go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. Now let's go back two chapters to chapter 14. Verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you, that he may abide with you forever for Say forever. Forever. Wow. Abide dwell with you forever. This comforter. The same one in two chapters later where Jesus saying, I've got to go because if I don't go, he can't come. Here he tells us that this comforter would abide forever. Then he tells us even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. The world can't see it. Now keep that in your back of your thinking for a moment. The world can't see it. It says the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him. It doesn't see him. You can never receive something you can't perceive. If you can't, re- if you can't perceive it, you can't receive it. They couldn't receive the world can't receive what they need because either they refuse to see it or they're blinded to it. You can, you can, be, you can be blinded by religion. You can be blinded by tradition. They couldn't, they couldn't see. They couldn't see and because they couldn't see, they couldn't receive. But he tells them, he goes, he goes, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Say, the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of me. Acts chapter 1 tells us it's the promise of the the Father. Romans chapter, I mean, Acts chapter 2, verses 33 through 39 talks about the promise of the Father that you both see and hear. That this is for you. It's for your children. It's for all those that are far away and for all them that will believe on his name. So it lets me know if if people are still being saved, then this gift of the Holy Spirit is still for me today because that's what that promise they both heard and saw. What did they, what did they, what did they see? They, they saw people filled with the Holy Spirit. What did they hear? They, they heard tongues. So it lets me know as long as people are being born again, that gift, that promise is for us today. And we saw that when the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost, that it was the transformation that they needed. And I brought this up at the end of the service last week, how just in a just in matter of 60 days, they went from arguing who was the greatest to being fearful, hiding, being confused, to all of a sudden now... Jesus is raised from the dead. He reveals himself. He tells them to go to Jerusalem until they're a dude with power. And they come out of the upper room preaching with boldness and 3,000 people get saved. That's transformation. But it had, to do not, it had nothing to do with their intellect. It had nothing to do with, with, with their, their background, where they came from. It had nothing to do with their mistakes, even when they were walking with Jesus. It had everything to do with the spirit of glory that was resting upon their lives. And that's why the church needs to step into to 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 this revival that God desires, because revival is the key to transformation. See, we have to have personal revival so we can have corporate revival so we can have a community awakening. And what happened is the disciples had a personal revival. They were in the upper room. So they had a, they had a corporate revival and they went out of that upper room and they had a community awakening and 3000 people got saved, but it had everything to do with the spirit of glory, the glory of God. If you are born again and you are filled with the Holy spirit, you have transforming power on the inside of you. tell you this the Holy Spirit was sent to transform them until, until you understand the, the, the fullness of the Doctor. has a book um, called the forces of life and it's all about the Holy Spirit and and it's all about if you, if you don't understand the, the fullness of the Spirit you, see you'll never love like you need to love until you're filled with that glory You you won't understand peace, joy, self-control, temperance. All those things are an outflowing of the Spirit of God that was not only to be with you, but to be in you. Transformation comes when we tap into the Spirit of God. And that's also what the gifts of the, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit flow out of this, this very thing that Jesus said "It's expedient that I go away. Thank you, Father. Go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. So we see the connection with the Spirit of God in transformation with the disciples. Now I want to look at Paul's life. Now, I'm going to read some redundant stories here, but it's for a purpose because I want you to see it. Acts chapter 9 verse 4 says, And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? And he said to him, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecutest. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord... What will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into this city, and it shall be told to you. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no man. So, so Apostle Paul was knocked off his donkey by this bright light, the glory of God. And he turned and he looked up and, and he said, Who are you, Lord? Now, for the sake of time, let's go to verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as you came, has sent me. Now, listen to this. That you might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what happened What happens next? And immediately there fell from his eyes as if it were scales. See, there's a connection between being filled with the Holy Ghost and immediately the scales from their eyes fell. You see, he... That that when he turned to Jesus, when he turned to that light, when he saw that light and then he yielded to that light and he yielded to to not only that, but the, the prophet that came and he yielded to that. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately scales fell off. I want to ask you, what's going to fall off you when you yield your life to the Holy Spirit? Some of you are waiting for change, begging for change or wanting things to be different and and wanting to be better and wanting to do this. But but I want to ask you, are you filled? Because it was when he got filled, the things that hindered him all of a sudden now were removed. Because you have to understand the world cannot receive him because it can't see him. But yet when you receive him, you'll be able to see him. It said, And immediately there fell from his eyes, as if it were scales, and he received sight forwith and arose and was baptized. Now let's go to Acts chapter 26. Thank you, Father. For, let's look at verse 15. I mean, really, the story starts around verse 7, but in verse 13, he talks about this bright light that surpassed the brightness of the sun. Then in verse 15, says, and I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute, but arise and stand upon your feet. Now, this is Paul's testimony. Paul's telling his testimony to King Agrippa, and he he uh, he says, but arise, stand on your feet for what I have appeared unto you for this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and also those things in which I will appear to you. So that lets me know that he, one, when the Spirit of God engaged him, what, 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 what happened? He, he said, I'm going to make you a minister. That's transformation. See, he went from being a murder, murderer to a to a minister. He went from being a persecutor to a preacher. See, all this happened when the Spirit of God came upon his life. And, and so when that Spirit came upon him and spoke to him, what was the first thing he says? He goes, you, I'm going to make you a minister. And you're going to be a witness. Both of these things which you have seen and those things in which I will appear to you. Meaning, not only are you seeing something right now, but I'm going to show you greater things. See, see, the Holy Spirit just doesn't have for some of the day you got born again. But he wants to continue to reveal to you transformation throughout your life. So it wasn't just what happened at that divine moment, but it was going to be something that would propel Paul the rest of his life. But it was under him understanding the importance that he was endued with and filled with the power of God and the glory of God. See, there's some things that God wants to reveal to you, maybe with your family, your business, your workplace, your calling. But I'm telling you, you have to allow the spirit of glory to bring about revival in your life so you can see what you need to see. So you can go where you need to go. So you can do what you're called to do. But it's not going to be living life half filled and living on manna from 20 years ago. The world doesn't need a place of worship that's living on manna from 30 years ago. We're needing to press into the reality of who God is. Hallelujah. Then he says... Which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me with that one. <laughs> right, Vic? Anybody, anybody's a minister, you know, I think what he tell us? Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. <laughs> but what was going to This was a real thing. So delivering you from the people. See, there's some people you need to get delivered from. But see, all this is the work of this. this all this has to do with revival. Yes. Yeah. When you want him more than you want popularity, you'll see greater things. Amen. Amen. That's good preacher, Amen. Good Deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles whom I now send you yes. <laughs> to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and among that that are sanctified by the faith that's in me. Hallelujah. Man, that talk about transformation. This is, this, this is written in red. So this is Jesus speaking. So Jesus is now telling Paul that that, that they are going to, which is sanctified by the faith that's in me. <laughs> We're talking about operating in the faith of Jesus. <laughs> They go to Acts 22. See, Paul, Paul is telling them the things that he saw and he heard. He was telling King Agrippa. In this particular story, he's talking to, I believe it's Felix. 22. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. That clock needs to slow down In Jesus' name. You're getting something this morning. Yes. Hallelujah. Verse 9. Now the men who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who were speaking to me. I think there's a lot of revelation in that scripture. There's a lot of people that could be seeing God show up in church, but are they hearing the voice? So you can be in the place of glory In the presence of glory, but not receive one thing he says. Verse 10. And I ask, what shall I do, Lord? What shall I do, Lord? I love that statement. He's, you know, we have this idea that the Apostle Paul was, yeah, he was this man that was on a mission. He was an educated man. And in all reality, he wasn't doing things that were evil because necessarily he was evil in himself. He was doing something that he thought he was actually pleasing God. He thought he was right. He, he had a heart for God. And he was only living out of, on those that went before him. He, he didn't realize What he was doing, why? Because he didn't have, he couldn't see. He couldn't see God. All he could see was religion. So he thought he was being right in this. But what I I believe, I I see this by the Spirit of God, that even though he was wrong, I believe why God used him, because, because God always honors our pursuit. He wasn't pursuing to mean, mean. he wasn't, he wasn't pursuing. It wasn't in in him to say, I want to, I want to wreak havoc of the church. He thought he was doing God a favor, but I ultimately believe that on his pursuit to know truth on his pursuit to know God, he came encounter with God. And that's why when he, when he saw that light, he, he made, he makes that statement. He says, and I ask, what shall I do? Lord. the Lord answered me, get up and go to Damascus, and there it will be told to you that is destined and appointed for you to do. Verse 11, since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and I arrived at Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by those Jews who resided there, came to see me, and standing by my side, said to me, Brother Saul, look up, look up and receive back your sight. In the very instant I recovered, I looked up and I saw him. And he said, the God of our forefathers has destined and appointed you to come progressively know his will. There's three things he tells him here. And this is what revival will do in your life. Revival will reveal to you God's will for your life. Thank you, Father. You'll be able to see Jesus. And you'll be able to hear the voice of a voice coming from his own mouth. This is this is what revival does in a person's life. The King James says this, and he said, "The God of our fathers has chosen thee that you should know His will, see the just one, and you should hear the voice of His mouth." What? Because these things, those things, bring about transformation. The Apostle Paul had an experience with God, and it transformed him. Like I said, from being a murderer to being a minister. It transformed him to be someone that was trying to, trying to hinder the Jews to all of a sudden, now I'm going to put forward the message of the Jews. Revival. Revival, transformation. The Spirit of God. Show me your glory. See, when you see him, he'll... He'll reveal his plan and purpose to your life. You'll see him. You'll see him. My heart for our community is for just people to see Jesus. That's why every, every time we leave service, what do I say? Give them Jesus. Because what you giving Jesus, the, the only Jesus they're going to see is the Jesus in you. Let me try to close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Second Corinthians, chapter three. Oh, hallelujah! As, as i said through the weeks, right now I'm just sowing seeds of revival. How can someone hear without a preacher? How can someone hear unless someone be sent? If we're going to see revival, we have to sow the seeds of revival. Second Corinthians chapter 3, now, before I read this, didn't have time to go through all of Exodus chapter 34, we were there earlier, but at the end of that chapter we see, after that conversation that Moses is having with the Lord, Moses comes down off the mountain, right at the end of chapter 34, and it said that his face, in some sense it says, shone like the sun. And it said the glory of God was so heavy, so heavy on Moses that people had to put a, they they couldn't look directly at him and he had to put a veil over his face. And he would take that veil off when he would go into the presence of God and we'd come out, he'd have to put that veil back over his face. What does a veil do? A veil, veil keeps you from seeing everything you need to see. A veil dulls things. And so Paul is writing here, and I believe he's really given us an insight into really even part of his conversion and part of the transformation. For the sake of time, you, you can read this whole chapter, but for the sake of time, let's look at verse 15. It says, yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. So he's saying, even today, the Jewish people, when the Torah is being read, they read it with a veil over. They they hear the prophets, they hear it with a veil over their eyes. Why? Because they can't see. Why? Because if you can't see, you can't experience transformation. Verse 16 says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. See, when when Paul turned to the Lord, (laughs) what had been veiled for so long was veiled no longer. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Liberty. Emancipation from bondage, it's freedom. Then he says this, and all of us, as with unveiled face, continue to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What are we looking at? What are we we looking at? The glory of the Lord. And all of us with unveiled face. All of us with unveiled face, hallelujah, but all of us with unveiled face continue to behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another degree from the Lord who is the Spirit. Do you see this this morning? The Apostle Paul is saying we with unveiled face, meaning nothing over my face. We behold the glory of the Lord. It says we are transfigured. We are transformed. We are transformed from one degree of glory. So the glory in my life, when revival is manifesting in my life, Joseph, It transforms me from one degree of glory to another. I don't know about you, but I desire revival in my life. With unveiled face, being able to see Him every day. Looking to Him, looking to Him, pursuing Him. Psalms 117 and I'll close. I'm out of time. very last verse. The psalmist is speaking here and and he says, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. What does that mean? As for me, I'm going to behold your face. We with unveiled face continue to look in to that, the, uh, we constantly look into that thing and we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And this is, says, As for me, I will behold thy face. I will look at your face in righteousness and I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Meaning, as I'm beholding you, as I'm beholding him, I'm being transformed to be like him. What is revival? Revival is all about being like him. Revival is all about manifesting Him, and I believe Jesus is coming soon. I believe the church is rising in its to its greatest place of glory, and I believe as the church begins and continues to behold Him, the church will be its greatest representation of Him. And it will be said, just like it was in those days, that that the glory of God, that's where the glory of God is. That must be a believer right there. The glory of God is on him. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for revival. We are not pursuing an experience. We're not pursuing anything else but pursuing you. We're pursuing you. And as we pursue you, I thank you that you are transforming us. I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that's happening down on the inside of each one of us that is causing us to rise as individuals and that's causing us to rise as the church. So, Father, today we choose to look at you. Hallelujah. We choose to turn aside from our busy lives and look at you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Say this after me as I transition. Father. I desire. Revival in my life. Transform me. From the inside out. I will never be the same. Continue build within me. This heart. In pursuit. Of revival. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Phil.